heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. Welcome aboard, my fellow Americans. Malcolm at eight. It is the voice of a nation. Well, the New Yorker explains for years, many on the right have been lambasted in a certain kind of progressive sensibility denoted with the term political correctness. Uh, this, was, of course, was endless fodder for Rush Limbaugh, they say, and others in the 1990s. But those semi-comic tirades were nothing compared with a serious political fight against woke. And they reference, of course, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Now, he has had a, a national uh, story on this with his pushback against Disney, of course, and others. But more so the school systems. Been a big fight in that state. And many think he has led the way in pushing back against the woke indoctrination. Of course, everybody remembers what happened in Virginia. That was that was a national debate and conversation there that uh, uh, was all out in the uh, uh, on the water cooler there for everybody, you know. And of course, in Florida, they signed that Stop Woke Act into law. There, there's a fight about that still going on to this day, actually. Uh, Merriam-Webster Dictionary says to be aware of and actively attentive to important societal facts and issues, especially issues of racial and social justice. Uh, They also say politically liberal as in matters of racial and social justice, especially in a way that is considered unreasonable or extreme. Hmm. The term woke capitalism tends to be a term that critics use to refer to, well, portfolios that are built around environmental, social and governance, of course, ESG, issues like climate change or diversity, et cetera, et cetera. We've seen the results, of course, we've been talking about the broadcast here, Bud Light, the transgender on the can, Target, Disney, a huge fight with Disney, their Kohl's. So we're seeing this has become a big national conversation, friends, but nothing is more important than what's been transpiring in our school systems, in our education. And I'll reference back to you one of the points of what happened through COVID uh, when, you know, a lot of the COVID stuff with the the kids, uh, when they started doing this at at home through the Zoom applications and all of that, mom and dad got wind of some of the things that were being taught and talked about in the school system. And it was a flashpoint. They didn't like a lot of that stuff that was happening and felt that they didn't want that stuff. Some of it went overboard, a sexual perversion, things of that nature. Uh, But the CRT, critical race theory, uh, all of this was being put onto the kids and the parents started to, well, they became awake from the woke. And uh, so we, we, that was a big phenomenon right there. And, And that was the thing about covid there are a lot of interesting stories that come out of the COVID era that will make us think and reflect back on societal issues like this. And actually, there are uh, hard to look at it that way sometimes because so much bad that happened with COVID. But there are some silver linings in that dark, dark cloud. This is potentially one of them. Because you got to remember this. If we're not made aware of these things, if this thing was really happening... In, in the back alleys of the school system, 
how would we, you know, maybe another 10, 20 years go by before parents would be aware of what was transpiring with their kids and the fact of this indoctrination was being pushed on the kids. Many believe this is an anti-American agenda. And of course, remember before that, it was a, the pull down of American history. You remember all the statues coming down and all of that? Yeah, this thing has been, uh, it's a rippling effect is what's taken place. And it continues to go on and on. And there's a lot of this stuff's been building for many years, people. You know, interesting uh, blog I came across the other day, principle-based politics. And listen to this here a minute here. Perhaps, as with most well-intended things, we first noticed it at church in some parishes and denominations. God's pronoun was eliminated in the 80s and men were no longer male, such as God created everyone in God's own image. Remember, it used to be God created a man and God's, you know, man was a reference point to man and woman. Then that was an ideology. You couldn't do that. Couldn't, couldn't do that. Couldn't refer to a man as a man. It had to be everybody then. And no longer was man as humankind. In fact, even today, when you use various grammar programs or AI, they'll correct you and tell you, you can't do that. You're not supposed to do that. Politically correct. And of course, the kids have all of this. Uh, they're raised with all this now. And uh, th this blog goes back to saying women's uh, basketball teams continue to play man-to-man -man defense, but congressmen became members of Congress. Chairmen were cheer people and spokesmen spokespeople. This involved genders and pronouns generally, and there were many. That's when a lot of this started to happen. You know, Americans, uh, the, the, the political thinking on this and the debates in action have come to everything is always about political correctness. You shouldn't say something because you might offend somebody. Uh, it, there's no more freedom of speech, freedom of diversity, freedom of thought, freedom just being uh, being able to express yourself in any way that you want. It, it's become a it's a lit cannon today, people. It's a lit cannon no matter what. Now, of course, not on this network, not on this show. I think you can still have these conversations. There'll still be ladies and gentlemen, uh, frankly. You don't have to be insulted and disgusting. There are ways to do these things, you know, and a lot of this is being done in the public school system, the government school system, you might say, and this is all being done at taxpayer expense, this indoctrination of the kids. And then you see the president come out and say, well, there are kids. They're the country's kids. They, we, they're, you know, we kind of own the kids. They're not your kids. That was an eye-opening statement, I'll tell you, but this is the same president who wants God save the queen as well. So you really, it's hard to make heads or tails out of where this stuff is coming from. You know, this, there's a, a particular incident today we're going to talk about on the voice of a nation. And there's a school system in Michigan in Rochester, Michigan, a school board that uh, has gone um, pretty out there far. There's been a lot of bullying going on to the parents uh, social media bully and that sort of thing, intimidation. And we're, we're really talking intimidation here. And this is why a lot of people, they don't want to push these sort of fights and these issues because they just want to live their life. And so then they just go back to doing what they want to do. And this is a real problem. It's just, this is what they do. They intimidate you in the public square. And it takes people with a lot of courage and to be a little more brazen than the next cat, if you will, to stand in the face of these kind of headwinds and say, you know what, you're not doing that. You know, I'm not going to do that. You're not doing that to my kids, you know? And, and you're seeing this with companies as well. Same thing with jobs and employers and employees. It's the same sort of story, people. But nothing has been more egregious than the school system and what's been transpiring in this uh, 
woke ideologies that's being pushed out there onto an unsuspecting public. You've now got, well, what you've got, a couple of generations now that are living with this kind of thing, which is why we're having some of the challenges uh, in some of the public square and the consumption of information that we're having. It's because now you've got a couple of generations that have been living through this in the school system. And you're going to remember these people, you're very impressionable when you're a kid like this. These people, this is all they know, these kids. They really think this is a thing, that this is the way they're supposed to be thinking. It's the way they're bought up. It's what their teachers taught them. It's what their friends know. And it becomes the lay of the land. It's the quickest, most fastest way to take over a society, people. Just get to the kids. Indoctrinate the kids, and you can do this just in a couple generations. You can change the whole vernacular out there. Hence what we're dealing with now today, friends. It's become a massive sticking point in American politics. Like everything, it becomes a left and right conversation. This story today that we'll talk about out of Rochester, Michigan, we'll have uh, someone from the school board on, and we'll have a, a parent who's been front and center in this fight, and uh, has been, uh, and, and I don't know all the details of the story, but we're going to find them out together today. Uh, she has stood up in some of these headwinds that I just shared with you moments ago and wasn't going to tolerate some of this. And then just like, by the way, what happened in Michigan here is just what happened in Virginia. It's happened in a lot of other places as parents finally have now woken up to the fact, and we're not saying woke, but they have awakened. Probably we need to use the word awaken. Can't use the word awoke anymore when you're awakened, right? It's funny how those words become tainted and twisted, don't they? Well, but parents now become awakened to the fact that they need to be involved in some of the school boards. But now we find out that uh, what's been happening behind parents' backs is, uh, is corrupt. It's disgusting. And it shouldn't be happening. Some of the stories I've seen that you might have heard of as well, are uh, they're bold and in your face, people, you know? So that's what we need to do is to push back. And I think you'll hear some stories on the program today as to as to how or why that's happening. And with this case study right out of Michigan, stay right there. More Voice of a Nation in just a moment. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. AmericaOutloud.com, seven amazing years. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the wellness company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution, Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. 
Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix Rex nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD at cofixrx.com. We join you back here on The Voice of the Nation. It is Malcolm Aloud here talking about this woke ideology here and the damage that it does to little ones. Uh, and why parents are finally now more involved. They're getting more involved in the school boards. Uh, and again, we've seen the case study on that right out of what took place on the national stage in Virginia. But it's happened all over the country now, friends. Even in California, it's happening. How do you like that? Where school boards are now... Uh, Balancing out a little bit more as parents uh, take it back, take the power back and and actually push it back against the United States government as well, that they're not the government's kids. Uh, there are kids. Um, where are we going today? Huh? Let me bring on now a, a parent from the Rochester Public School System. Uh, Elena Dinverno joins me here. And uh, she uh, is, is, like I said, a parent from Rochester Public Schools. And she school, she's sued the school system there in Rochester. has been really on the front lines here. Elena, welcome in uh, to the Voice of a Nation. And it's a privilege to have you here. Thank you very much. Thank uh, you for let's, having me. Let's talk about from the get-go. I'm so anxious to hear your story. And I want listeners to hear and to get a sense. What bring us back to the early signs when you knew something was wrong? What does that moment look like, please? Yeah, I mean, for me, I had two children in the school district. It was over COVID, and you know, there obviously was a lot of noise out in the media of what COVID was, the precautions that were supposed to be taken, and how that was going to be affecting our children in the school. And at least in our state of Michigan, as things started opening up and more evidence or more data started to become available, um, you know, myself, like many other parents, we wanted answers. Uh, we wanted our schools back in person. We wanted our children to be able to get off these computers and be able to re-enter the school district. And so, it's just um, when they were doing the, the, the teaching at home, you mean, right? We everybody yeah. had to right, do that. And what's this, it, it, a lot of this flashpoint you're talking about, does this have anything to do with the mask and the vaccines by chance? Yeah, this was mask and vaccines. This was the six feet of distance. And obviously when everything had first started, none of us really had a lot of information, right? We didn't really know what to do and right. how to keep our kids safe. But as more information started coming out, we saw states around us, that were opening schools back up again, private schools in the state of Michigan that were open again with some measures in place, whether that be masks or social distancing or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And because they were doing it, many of us in Rochester wanted that option, you know, for there were some individuals that were okay with virtual, but there were those of us, myself included, that wanted my children to have the ability to be in person. And as you asked, kind of that breaking point, you know, after a lot of advocating and asking questions along with many other parents, we quickly recognized that our school district was not going to listen to us hmm. and that they were going to keep us closed. And I didn't so, agree with that. Right, right. Th this is the uh, the district in Rochester. So, and that fight was happening all over the country. I mean, people Correct. were trying to get the kids back in. Yeah, so people can relate to your story there. But isn't it interesting how uh, COVID uh, put a spotlight on certain things? Um, and this was one of them. So 
Where did you go from the, and you said, uh, let me just refresh. You said you have two children, right? Two? Yes. Okay. And are they, what grades, what grades are they in? At that time, they were in finishing fifth and finishing tenth. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. So one in uh, upper school and lower school. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I think for me, right, many, like many other parents that you had mentioned can relate to this. I think a lot of us were not paying a lot of attention to our school board. We were not paying attention to the decisions that were being made on our behalf. We were assuming we're in an affluent area. The school district is good. The school scores are good. We were assuming that, you know, everything was fine. And I think that COVID truly did open Mm. my eyes up to how it was operating and that in some cases it was not necessarily in the best interest of the parents. And that is where myself and many others started to become very vocal to advocate for our children. Yeah. Yeah. You know, everything you just said, I mean, I can so relate to that. And I think so many people can. I mean, I think what COVID did a lot of this is we all assumed, I mean, it was hard to understand that officials, uh, government officials, school officials, uh, community officials had another agenda that it was just hard to fathom that, I think, for a lot of people. I know it was for me as well as a dad, by the way. I had two children as well. And it was hard for me to fathom that the school systems were just screwed up and that people were, and government, I mean, and I I think it's hard to get your arms around some of that, isn't it? It is. It's it's overwhelming and it's surprising and it's scary, frankly, because here you are, a taxpayer, you know, and we purposely bought our home in this area for this great education system. And honestly, we've had some amazing teachers and I appreciate them so very much. But when some, you know, when COVID came and it started revealing how much control they truly have over our children, over our children's well-being, over their mental health, over their ability to learn. Um, You know, that really opened up the floodgates, if you will, in parents paying a lot more attention. And, um, and that's where I just became more and more vocal in this, in this fight for our kids. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's face it. The, uh, our kids are, are, that's our most precious gem in life. I mean, we have to be involved in these different aspects of life. And if we had to learn the lesson the hard way, well, then we learned it at least now and understand mm-hmm. and trying to take it back. You're exactly right. Um, why did you end up suing the school? What happened there? So for me, as I mentioned, I became very vocal. And when I say vocal, you know, I was advocating for for the kids in general, not just mine, but many other families that I had spoken to, um, trying to get the school board just to listen to us, to hear us, to give us the option of putting our kids in person in the classrooms. And at that time, we were doing school board meetings virtually. Families didn't have the opportunity to have any type of dialogue with the administration at that time. Um, And so many of us joined Facebook groups that were private Facebook groups, but with like-minded individuals that were either sharing their frustration or trying to come up with ideas to be able to bring it to the school board, to have them listen to us or the administration to listen to us. And um, 
I have a marketing background. And so at one point I had suggested on this Facebook page that if families were interested in filming either themselves with their iPhone or their children, and it was a simple ask of, please show, we wanted them to show emotion, right? So if your child is having a hard time learning virtually, to share that, you know, a simple, hi, my name is Mary, and I'm in fifth grade, and I'm having a really hard time learning on a computer, please let me go back to school. Mm -hmm. Or a parent that wanted to advocate for their child, and then I was going to clip those videos together and send them to the school board so that I was hopeful that if to get their attention, in other words, right, right. right. Hopeful that if they saw emotion, that they would pay attention to it, that it wasn't just words on paper. And so very shortly after I put that up on this Facebook page, um, I received a um, cease and desist letter from one of the attorneys at the Rochester school district. Wow. That shocked me. I did not expect that to come. Now, how can they send a cease and desist? I mean, you were just expressing your, that's free speech, isn't it? Correct. It It is. It is my right, is my First Amendment right. Well, what the hell do they want you to cease and desist? What? I don't Um, understand. They, um, you know, we are learning, right? Our district has a history of doing these types of actions Mm -hmm. at the directive of the superintendent or the assistant superintendent. And truly, they didn't have a right to silence me. They had no right. It was a tactic of intimidation. It was a tactic to frighten me and to try and quiet me. Um, Because a lot of people would pay attention to that, Elena, and they would back off. A lot of people would, but you didn't. You didn't. No, I, you know, I got the cease and desist letter and, you know, I looked at it, obviously kind of take me, took me a couple of days to process what I had in my hands. Hmm. Um, and I, um, I didn't do anything initially, to be honest, I received it. I consulted with a lawyer and they said, you, you're not doing anything wrong. They have no recourse, just, you know, do what you're doing. And, um, and so I had a little while later, found out that there were some other members of our community that had also received cease and desist letters for other okay. reasons. Okay. Um, and I reached out to the school board via this mechanism that we have that's talked to us where you basically submit a letter to them okay. and, um, you know, and, and was vocal in that, um, just basically asking them to please listen to us. That's all, that's all we want is for you to listen to us. Now, while this is going on, were your kids being um, uh, sheltered from some of the uh, bad stuff you, or was there pushback on the kids in school? I wonder. Um, I mean, for my children, you know, once I learned that Rochester was not going back in person, I had one My older child was still in the public school system. My younger child at that point had gone into a private school that was in person, Mm -hmm. frankly, because he just couldn't learn on a virtual platform. So we um, made that move to switch him, but they were sheltered, um, meaning they didn't see any repercussions. I mean, they saw some family members or sorry, friends, family that would ask, you know, about just maybe my activity or things like that, but they were very supportive. But not too bad. Not too bad. No, no, that wasn't bad. Um, so I think really the, the, um, 
the part that kind of came to a head after I received the cease and desist letter is after I had contacted the school board in my letter, I had a very frustrating conversation with the superintendent who was not listening to me in that conversation at all. Um, shortly after that, I was called into my employer's office or the HR office and was told that someone from the school district had contacted my employer and told them that I was participating in a page that was harmful to the community. And again, here I am getting that information from the HR manager, thinking to myself, what in the world Mm -hmm. would a school district do or why would they pick up the phone, seek my employer, find out where I live, you know, find out where I work, call them. Well, they were trying to shut you up. They were trying to shut me up. Exactly. They they were trying to shut me up. And and you, and you, you ended up having, there was a recourse. What happened with the job? You, you lost Um, it. Yeah. So I ended up losing my job. Did they just Um, fire you or what did they say? Or just. um, For me, it was right. I mean, Michigan's an at will state. It is, you know, that is, uh, that is how we run here. Um, however, you know, I had had an initial conversation with the HR manager and, um, they had said, I had asked at that time, I said, is this an official warning? Am I being written up? And, you know, even at that time, the HR manager had said, look, I, I see your Facebook page. You put up Bible passages and pictures of your kids. She's like, I don't understand why anyone would feel threatened by you. And I said, okay. And, you know, I even wrote a letter to the group that I worked for, the senior leadership and said, Hey, it's come to my attention that someone's reached out to you. I just wanted to let you know that I've never participated in anything that's been harmful. You know, I'm just advocating for my children and left it at that. And I thought that everything would be fine. And then, you know, I went through my employee review. I got a raise. Oh, um, you, before they fired you, you got a raise. Yeah. That's I got a raise. Um, and then, you a know, raise right out the door. I, yeah. I got a, a short while after that. I got called in um, at 8 a.m. in the morning from the HR manager and my boss. Okay. And they said, we are restructuring. You're an amazing employee. We'll write you a letter of recommendation. Here's severance for your departure. You know, we appreciate everything you've done. I'm so, so sorry that we so had to So did somebody get to them? Did somebody get to them? Um, ultimately, when we went through all the depositions, because right after this, it resulted in me suing the district, as you had mentioned in the beginning of the story. Right. When we went through the depositions, yes, the deputy superintendent or sis- the deputy assistant superintendent did reach out to my employer. Okay. All right. Um, so that's, that's where it happened. Okay. So yep. you were assaulted in that way as well. And then uh, it, we'll, I want to come back to the suit a little bit after here. Uh, let me just ask you this uh, as I, uh, straight out with the board. When you were dealing with the school board, uh, give me, because uh, I want to bring someone on in just a moment from the school board itself. Uh, give me an, an idea of what that was like. Did you get any help? Did you get any, any um, 
uh, you know, what, what pushback, what, what was it like? Because you were going to the school board meetings, right? You were being vocal at the actual meetings, I'm, I'm guessing, right? Right at the meetings? We were, um, at that time, we were virtual. We were not okay. allowed. But in then the there room. were real meetings afterward, weren't there? Or weren't there? there were some real meetings after, but during this time period, everything mm. was virtual. Right. I did, I was vocal at one of the virtual meetings when they, there's time for public comment. Um, I was told that I was lying and that I needed to leave it for Facebook. Oh, um, who who said that? The members. school board that said that the, back to you? One of the board members. Okay. Yes. All right. All right. Um, told me that. And um, yeah. no, there was zero support. There was there was zero, zero yeah. support from anyone. Let me ask you this. Did you consider at that point running for the school board yourself? I did. Okay. I did. All right. Um, decided not to or did you run? Well, you know, the lawsuit took took a lot out of me to be honest right sure. um it's a it's a it's a long process and um i chose in the election to actually support the a couple of individuals that i was hoping would be able to okay. win some of the open right. seats and so i used my okay. visibility in the community for that instead uh, well there's nothing wrong with that Not, nothing wrong with that at all so you use that to be able to um put some other people in there it didn't have to be yourself yeah so that was fine Correct. Uh, I'm curious, and I don't know the answer to this, but I want to ask you, the gentleman I'm going to have on in a moment, um, Andrew, was was he one of the ones you had supported? Yes. Oh, I, I didn't know that. Okay, I'm, I'm just guessing two and two must be four. So <laughs> I'm assuming that might be the case. All right, all right. And so has that made a difference? Well, well, let's come back to that. Let me get Andrew on now. Stay right there, Elena, and let me bring Andrew Weaver on. And he is now a board member there at the Rochester Public School, uh, is on the school board. Um, and uh, uh, so, Andrew, I'm anxious to get your take on it. Uh, when did this when was that election and when did you become part of the uh, the school board? Yeah. Yeah. First of all, thank, thank you for having me, giving me this opportunity. Um, I want to make sure I identify as a board member. I am speaking for myself. I'm not speaking for the board. Um, I was elected uh, in November of uh of 22. So just this past November. So my term started January of 23. Okay. So you're new. So you're pretty new at it. All right. Just got going, right? Very, very, very new at it. Um, okay. And and actually Elena is someone I met uh, through, through that Facebook group right. that was set up to um, for parents that were looking for in person. I mean, that was the connection. Right. Um, I met more people in my community uh, in that time period. So as you kind of talked about some of the silver linings that came out of COVID, it, it forced us to build relationships with people we probably never would have met before. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, and All established right. ones that made a big difference. Well, let me ask you a couple of things. Do you, do you have children yourself? So I am a parent first. Um, I'm 100% a parent first. I have uh, two kids in the district. Okay. Um, and I have a third one that has not even started. So I'm very much at the beginning of this journey. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. All right. So they're two young, are they in elementary school? The two? Or younger? Uh, my my oldest just finished fifth grade and my middle okay. one uh, just finished first grade. Okay, cool, cool. And uh, all right, another one coming into the system. Okay, so this was very uh, personal to you, very near and dear to your concerns. Did you decide to run for the school board before or after you met Elena, I'm wondering? So I decided to run for the school board um, after, well after. Because um, to be perfectly honest, when we kind of were figuring out how this was going to work and, and networking people... I didn't anticipate running. Um, I felt I was, I started a blog in 2020 um, during COVID because it was just a way to get thoughts out. And then it's turned into really focusing on the school district and exposing stuff that just wasn't right. right. Um, and so really that's kind of where my head was at of just really wanting to be more a, a source of information that wasn't being covered by our local media. 
Um, but as it went along and we found out the things that we saw in COVID, um, the lack of leadership, the lack of transparency, um, the accountability piece is, is in Elena's case, that there was no there was no accountability for anything that happened in a federal lawsuit. It recognized that the failures of COVID um, were exposed because of COVID, but they were so much more systemic in our district. And that's when I made the decision to run because I as well have, I have two of those cease and desist letters that uh, Elena had. Um, oh, you got two of them, two of them. Why did got, you get them? I, Why did you get them? I got, uh, just for, for my blog, um, things that I was posting that they didn't like. Um, well, I got to say something I, to you here. How brazen this is for this. Uh, this is an attorney that represents the school board, I take it. It's an attorney that we pay a lot of money to. A <laughs> lot of money to. I mean, how brazen, though, is I mean, how, just think of what is he, a communist? What, what's up? Well, well so, the, so the best the best example is, so at our board meeting just last night, uh, my, myself and another colleague uh, made a motion to sever ties with this law firm. Two of our other colleagues acknowledge that they are have problems. There's conflict of interest. It's not a good relationship, mm -hmm. uh, but then didn't vote with us to actually sever the tie. So we still have a relationship with this with this law firm that sends sends us cease and desist letters to parents. Um, okay. Okay. How, how many school board members, please, on the board? How many? There's there's seven of us. Seven. Okay. Now let me understand something. Do I, if I have this right. And the last election, which you just told me was the end of 2022, you just took office at the beginning of 2023. Was there another uh, person that was in, thinking sort of like you? I hate to use the word more conservative thinking or patriotic thinking. I, I really do hate to use boxes, you know, that way. But yeah. uh, maybe a freedom. Maybe that's the way I should say it. Uh, let me let me rephrase the question, Your Honor. Uh, Andrew, was there another freedom lover, a person who liked their freedom, who also ran and won the school board by chance? or? Was here. Yes, yes. Carol Beth Lacui also won. Um, she's someone that I, you know, um, uh, have a relationship with that we we ran in support of each other. We ran independent campaigns, but we were definitely um, one that we saw. We saw the common good and the common things that needed to be worked on. Um, and at the same time, I think since we've been on the board, people see we don't agree on everything. There's lots of things that we, we have different priorities. We, we think for ourselves. And that was the right. biggest thing that we wanted to bring huh. was we needed independent thinkers <laughs> that would state their own opinion. But you are also had the courage. Language. Oh, I love it. I love it. I, I, I applaud everything you're saying. You're speaking my language, man. What happened to diversity of thought, diversity of opinion, diversity of being a human? What happened to that, Andrew? that that is the and i think as you kind of talk about like the woke part of it that is the stuff that people really i think are waking up to and to be perfectly honest it's not a left right thing um we are getting a lot of support from people that call themselves what i would say classical liberals that believe in freedom of speech Amen. that believe in that challenge idea Amen. um so we really have um i mean our board is a nonpartisan position um and elena can attest to this is one of the things that we kind of figured out how to run a campaign as as parents i was very adamant I, I didn't take any PAC money. Like we were going to do it differently. We were going to reach out wow. and find new people because the biggest thing is I've said when I chose to run in 2020, I did not know a single board member's name. I helped create this problem by me not paying attention, by me not knowing who those board members were. I allowed the environment to become what it became. So we to fix that means we had to start paying attention, but I had to also identify there's a lot more me's out there that weren't paying attention, but this stuff's common sense. The idea of being transparent, the idea of, look, we can touch on some of these controversial issues, but you need to tell people you're doing it. And if you're going to have certain things, make policies that are clear, 
And that's where I challenge my colleagues. My colleagues that are much farther to the left and very radical, fine. If you want to have what you want, document in a policy, stand up and take account for it. And that's what they will not do. They're doing right now currently what we saw during COVID. During COVID, everything was, oh, it's a mandate from the county. It's a mandate from the state. Right. Well, right now, the, the um, allowing biological boys into the locker rooms with biological girls and the bathrooms with biological girls, that topic has come up. We have no district policy on that. People are asking our district, what is the policy? Asking our board, what is the policy? The response I just saw from our secretary of our board, who does speak on behalf of the board, not speaking for herself, states we're following state mandates and cites a state law. There is no mandate in that. And so this is that this thing that they do is just they act as if the government's telling them they have to do something. What we found out is, and Elena alluded to it, these boards have immense power. Mm -hmm. And that's what parents are really figuring out. And that's what I'm making sure parents know. Look, we need to take back control of that power and really do it in a nonpartisan way. So that means, again, I just supported, we had an open seat. I supported someone that is to the left, but I've had honest debates with her. She's right on financials. She's right on accountability. And we can have the honest conversations around some of this political stuff. I'll take that person on my board. Then I'll take someone that's farther to the right and that won't, that's going to be tribalistic to the right. And that's what we've got to get to. And I think that's the direction that we're going because that's, again, it's about really having that dialogue and like you said, the exchange of ideas. And that's what's missing because our board will not allow that. And and for six months, we've seen um, the continuation of these bullying tactics. I mean, I have a complaint hearing on the 22nd because I posted something about our field trip that went to an adult entertainment facility that's not a strip club. Um, And so because that became information, now there's a complaint hearing that we've spent thousands of dollars on to, to say that I harassed somebody because we didn't have, we had a field trip that we didn't communicate very well. So is this all part of the policy? Is this all part of the, uh, the game to get you out of there? Is that what's going to happen now? Everything will become a problem. Is that what it is? Yeah, that's what it seems like. But again, they didn't, they're so bad at this game that Mm -hmm. the, the only thing they can do is vote to censor me, which says you don't like what I did, or you can petition the governor to remove me. But to petition the governor to remove me because I posted something on Facebook that you didn't like, it's going to be a hard sell. Um, right, right. And so, but then they, they've just wasted time. They've wasted energy. And they're, they're more worried about controlling that people know that we have a problem than right. doing what we were elected to do to fix the problems. All right. And so that's what we've spent six months dealing okay. with. All right. Let me ask you, you just mentioned, I just want to clarify, do, is that the protocol they have to uh, plead to the governor? Uh, to Is that how that works? So they have to plead, right? Is that how that works yes. there? Okay. So in the state, in state of Michigan, the only way to remove a board member um, from the school board would be to petition the governor. Um, and then there's a process to do that. Um, and then the governor would have to remove you. Uh, no. and even our board, pre- even our board president, those acknowledge when we've had honest yeah. conversations, yeah. you'd essentially need to be like killing somebody. Like yeah. so, posting well, something on Facebook. Gonna be well, that's because you have yeah. Governor Wichmer, don't you? I believe right. It? But that's yeah. but that's even with with her. They they realize that posting yeah. something that you don't like is probably not going to meet that threshold. Well, although I don't know, I don't have a lot of confidence coming from that particular governor. She seems to be part of the communist Marxist agenda, isn't she? Uh, she, she's she's very far left. She's uh, very radical. Um, but again, I think that just shows you how much 
these people realize again okay. there's still a bridge too far even for some of the radicals i guess i'm just calling it as i see it i mean um, um, it's your state i'm just asking you but that's the appearance we have of her across the country is that she is indeed very radical now i i relate radical here to communism and marxism uh you're talking about the extreme of the party but you're right when you say as well uh, Andrew, there's extremes on the left and the right. You're 100% right, 100% right. And that's that's who's getting the oxygen in the room, isn't it, always in these debates? Absolutely. Um, and so that's one of the things I'm, I'm big on is um, I think, again, as Elena and I have got to know each other very well, I think she's heard me talk. I've spoken at almost every board meeting up until yeah. um, the, the election. Um, I took a permanent spot on the agenda. Okay. And But again, it, it was... It was it was never about the red meat. It was never about the political. This stuff's not political. Understood. Our, well, our, but they've, kid, made, it our kids, they've, made, they've it. made it political. But yeah, that's when, yeah. when you cut when you cut through. No. And again, as being now an elected official, yeah. talking about policy is not political. Yeah. Talking about our kids and making sure that we have proper guidelines in place and we're being transparent. That's not political. And that's where we're making headway. And that's where a lot of and again, one of the spots where we're making a ton of impact is we're getting teachers on board. So again, we're fighting through a lot of these false narratives. Right. Most okay. teachers, even if they are farther okay. to the left, they don't want to bring their politics into the classroom. They're okay with it. We're allowing, it's the same argument that's made on the right with a few bad cops. We right. allow a few bad cops to well, paint all the cops bad. That's right. That's same right. with teachers. There's a yep. few bad teachers. So let's deal with a few. Let's put policies in place and then let's move forward in a way that we right. can actually right. educate our kids right. properly. All right. I want to come back more to that ideology a little bit after here. But uh, one final question here and then I got to pause a moment here. But uh, right. So there are seven members of the school board and there are two that are, uh, I said, freedom lovers, I'm going to call them. Uh, they appreciate their freedom. And so you have five that are still fairly radical. Is that the concern right now? Yes, we have a majority of five that um, think alike, vote alike. There's no diversity. Um in any way, uh, with, with the majority of our five of our board. Okay. And again, these, these, these arguments have gone from mask and vaccines now to who can use the bathroom and the men, boys and girls and all of the, it's the same sort of arguments everywhere. It's all false to that ideology, doesn't it? Right. 100%. They're all aligned with the yeah. same political ideology. All right. All right. All right, Andrew, stay right there. Be right back with you here. It's Andrew Weaver here. Um, you have to celebrate the fact that he took matters into his own hands. And I, I mean, I get a pretty good sense of the story now uh, in seeing how he did it and ran. And this is kind of what I'm seeing all over the country where parents like Andrew and I, I, I applaud it. Uh, getting involved in the in the process, uh, yeah, not just uh, leaving this to radical people. And he actually says it pretty well, as far as I can see people, when he talks about, again, he's trying to make it non-political, but like everything, they've made it political. It becomes, a, I'm so tired. Aren't you out there tired of Republican-Democrat fights? It's so sickening that you can't sit down at the dinner table today and have a conversation about any of these things without that coming into play. But it is because the extreme radicals that we're speaking about have hijacked the the uh, edges of those political parties. We've seen that on the left, big time on the left. We've seen it on the right as well. And there's no more conversation happening. There's no more dialogue. There's no more any of that. And what happens is, as Andrew was explaining the story there, I think people go and they they ask themselves, 
what their ideology is. And then that's how it all falls political. Then they come back and they they, oh, I'm a Democrat. My grandfather was a Democrat. My grandmother, great grandmother was a Democrat. I must be a Democrat, too. Yeah. Oh, and that's why it's all political now. And then they take on the ideology of, well, yeah, one bathroom. You can all use the same bathroom. You can all deal with whatever the policies are coming down. Uh, it's this indoctrination of thoughts. Same thing with critical race theory and what they're teaching, racism. Um, and they put it out as something it's not. Uh, it's a terrible thing that's happening here. Um, we're going to continue on in just a moment here uh, to both um, with uh, Andrew Weaver and also with Elena Dinverno and, uh, and push through more of this as well. Um, stay right there, friends. Be right back with you in a moment here on The Voice of a Nation. The silent majority has spoken. We say, let the silent voices be heard. You can be the voice of change. Contact our producer at libertyatamericaoutloud.com. Libertyatamericaoutloud.com. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. And unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus and strengthen recall. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order, risk-free. Love it or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Welcome back to the Voice of a Nation. It is indeed Malcolm Aloud here. Thanks for joining us on the mission, friends. You know, I've been saying for quite some time now, it comes back to local. All politics are local. It comes back to our life. If you want to take control back up to what seemingly seems to most people is a um, where society is out of control uh, and we're losing control. And people feel that. It's an odd sense out there that people feel or believe. It really has got to come back to this story today is front and center in this fight. I have to tell you right now, it's got to be local. That's where you're going to make the difference. That's where you got to get involved. That's how it has to happen. If you work from there all the way up to states' rights, you can begin to roll some of the stuff back and begin to bring the power back to we, the people. That's where it has to be. Uh, we've got here joining us uh, both Andrew Weaver, who's on the school board there in Rochester, uh, Michigan, and a, a terrific parent who stood up in the face of a lot of these headwinds, uh, sued the school system, and uh, just really trying to get attention uh, in the right way. Uh, Elena Dinverno is here as well, and a pleasure to both of them. Let me bring on on the show here, Wallace is with us here. Wallace, and I, I'd like to get your thoughts on what you've heard so far in this uh, talk here, based on all the things we talk about from the woke ideology, the extremists, what Andrew points out, it's really not a political fight, but they've made it all political, Wallace. So how can we say it's not a political fight at this point? Because it kind of is, isn't it? 
That's that's the irony. The irony of it, Malcolm, is that it is blatantly, inherently, and intentionally political. Uh, But I think we have to understand is is the virtue signaling that takes place on the political left. They don't see it that way. They see themselves as champions of good and us as champions of evil. Uh, The only true moral, uh, the only true moral belief that still exists on the left. And I'm not talking about every Democrat. I'm talking about the ideology. But the only true moral belief they still have is that the tolerance of immorality is the only moral virtue. And when you believe that tolerance for immorality is the only thing left to champion, then uh, then of course it's political, but they don't see it that way. They see themselves as champions of good, attacking those nasty, dirty little Christian Republicans uh, that want to hold everybody down. Yeah. So, but how can using one bathroom for both boys and girls, what good can come out of that, Wallace? Just because of what? Politics? What? Well, you kind of touched on it when you were talking about what woke is. I define woke as the ability to see oppression even where it does not exist. And uh, that's what's happening is now telling a boy, you know, you go to the boy's bathroom and a girl, you go to the girl's bathroom. You know, telling a 17-year-old kid, no, you can't shower with the ladies' volleyball team. Uh, Somehow now this has become oppression on that 17-year-old boy. And maybe he's, you know, maybe he wants to transition to a girl, whatever the case may be. But, you know, they have urinals in the boy's room but not the girl's room for a reason. There are functional reasons that uh, that the boy's room and the girl's room are different. And, And girls, whether they're in Rochester, Michigan, Rochester, New York, or wherever they are, girls have a right to privacy. So do boys. We have a right to privacy when we're changing for gym or whatever the case may be. We have a right to privacy. We have a right to be protected against uh, against possible predators uh, that, that may be out there. All right. All right. K- keep an open mind. Stay right there. Let me bring both on here. Andrew, Elena, let's in our time here. I want to hit it hard here with both of you here. Uh, it, first, Andrew, the, the bathroom conversation we're having here. I'm just curious and let, uh, keep the uh, let, we're going to have to move quickly. So let's keep the answers a little shorter. But uh, tell me, is that a fight that's ongoing right now? This the, the bathroom thing or has that been resolved? Because I'm seeing that explode all over the country. No, it hasn't been resolved. We have no policy in place. Um, the, okay. Our board is taking the position they're using state mandates, which don't exist. So, no, this is one that's going to continue to be talked about. Um, it's nowhere close okay. to being resolved. And, and are they are they uh, pushing, uh, just straight out asking you, are the boards and the school system pushing the one bathroom for both sexes, yes or no? They're they're. Our board is taking the position of we can't discriminate, so therefore we can't do anything. We're not allowed to have a policy. What the hell is discriminate? What does that mean? You're discriminating against God's gender of a male and a female, for God's sakes. It, It doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, I don't even understand that. It's a dumb thing to say. Well, let me ask you both, and I'll start, Elena, with you. If I've got young kids and they're in that district, I'll be damn hell will have to freeze over before I allow my kids to be in that school system with kids going potty of the office. Because, you know, as you know, Elena, it only here's the thing about this that's so egregious. It only takes one time, one quick moment, wrong place, wrong time, catastrophe, and somebody is scarred for life. I mean, really, really scarred for life. That's an injustice we should not be in a position to have to tolerate. Isn't that the problem, Elena? That's absolutely the problem. And even in our district, there was a proposal that was brought forward by another group in our district so that parents would have the ability to communicate that to the district and say, I only want my child, if I have biological female child, I only want her in the female bathroom and vice versa. 
And, you know, that's the, these are the issues that we are dealing with in our district. And that is exactly why my children are not in the district right now. So you, you have them out of the district? My one daughter now is in college, and then my other one is out of the district. Okay. All right. And that's by design? Yes. Yeah. Now, Andrew, what about yourself? What do you do? you got young ones. How do you, what do you do with this bathroom thing, just as case in point? So I just, I have honest conversations with them. Now, granted, I'm in a position where my two older ones are boys, so that makes it a little bit easier. Um, Isn't that, hold on, stop there a minute. Isn't that sad that we have to say something like that? Is, is that really... I hear what you're saying, but, oh man, that really, it's, but it's the reality. So, I mean, but again, that's where, Uh, because there are, there are biological difference between us, between men and women. And that's one where the biological truth is this conversation is with young boys is easier to have and easier to navigate than when, again, trust me, my youngest is a daughter. So that's why it's about fixing it now before she gets there. But again, that's the big commitment to me is we fix the system and we can't fix it if everyone that, has a vested interest, just up and leaves. I've never questioned anyone's parents' right to choose to pull their children. I respect that choice. Um, but if everyone that can pull their children do, there'll be no one left yeah. to fix the system. Well, so. I, I want to say something to you as a father to father, though. You know, back uh, 10, 20 years ago, we might have been able to make that statement. And I know what you're talking about with the boys and the girls. I get it. Today, you almost can't make that statement now because of how commonplace pedophilia is and all of this nonsense of the sexual perversions that are happening. You almost can't make that statement anymore. Does that make sense? Not really. I'm not following you. And pedophilia in the sense of, I mean, I teach my I teach my kids what perverted behavior is. They should be allowed to learn perverted behavior anywhere they're at. And again, I think as boys... What well, can they defend themselves better? Is that what you mean? Is that what you mean by that? Oh, or? sure, surely, sure. My 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 oldest is is twelve years old. He's physically he plays football. Like he, he can defend himself. He knows what perverted behavior is when someone right. is right. inappropriate. But I'm yeah. going to teach him that no matter what. But I've seen others with families where the boys get pulled into a situation they don't want to be in or shouldn't be in, and then wrong things happen. I've seen that kind of thing. I've heard happen. You know, that's oh, all I'm and, speaking and, about. And, and, Oh, and I, and I agree, but I also, again, and I, I'm one person that believes, like I said, I, I never can control everything. We're never going to be able to eliminate all risk. Um, and so to that point, bad things can happen, sure. but we teach our kids to mitigate as much as possible. And that's, I guess, to your point, and I think this is yeah. the one that comes up around the bathrooms. If they're ever in a bathroom, whether it's a male or a female or whatever, right. there's certain behaviors that you should be aware of, that that's a, that's a weird well, behavior and get the hell away from it. The sad thing about it is this situation shouldn't be what it is anyways. They should just say, girls, they shouldn't be using the same bathroom. We've never done that in the history of our country. And now all of a sudden it's a thing. Um, you know, everything's a thing. Elena, this whole uh, political conversation that we were talking about, uh, that Andrew had exposed Republican Democrats versus extremists, uh, this whole conversation of wokeness and woke ideology has become very political. It is like everything else. It's hijacked in the country and it becomes a left, right, Republican, Democrat conversation. I don't think there's any way to change or divide that. It's kind of it kind of plays to our ideologies now, doesn't it? I think there's a lot of discussion around that, but much like Andrew, you know, I just want the focus to be on the education of the children, the safety of the children. And that's really where our energy should be spent, period. Oh, I think you're doing the right thing. I think you're saying the right thing, both of you, in that argument, frankly. Uh, But the fact is, you're dealing with a lot of politicalness to this whole conversation, and it's you can't almost turn it off. But I applaud you both with pushing back against that. Wallace, does does this make sense when I'm talking about this? 
everything is political in nature. You and I talk about it every day. Everything has political implications, but I don't think you turn back the card here anymore because they've made this a left, right, red, blue conversation. Well, it's inherently political, too, because our children are the future. And, you know, when we talk about we want to go back to the safety and education of our children, well, that's great. But what do you want our children to be taught with respect to American history, with respect to literature, with respect to obviously math is reasonably cut and dry unless you're in California where two plus two now is whatever the hell you want it to be. Uh, but when you start getting into subjects like social studies and what have you, what we teach our children is civics. What we teach our children is critically important because that will become the future of the country. And uh, you know, if we're teaching them that the United States is this terrible place built on racism and oppression uh, and that the only way to change, to, to fix America is to tear it down, you know, that's what our children then learn. So yeah, yeah. It, it has to be political. Yeah, it, it all tends to be that way. And it's an extremist viewpoint, uh, left and right, sadly, sadly. Um, Andrew, last word on this at this point. Um, uh, they're still coming after you. Uh, you're, I guess you're steadfast. You're pushing back. You're going to stay on the board uh, at this point, or are you, uh, is there just too much pressure at some point here? Oh, I have no plans on going anywhere. I'm, I'm, I was elected to serve a term. I fully plan to serve that full term. Um, I knew what I was signing up for. Yeah. I, I have, they have the, the MEA, they have the union, they have the district's lawyers, um, the MSAB, MASB, I always mess that one up. Um, they have every resource possible, but I, ultimately yeah. I, have, I have facts and reality um, okay. and, and I have the freedom of speech. And so we're going to continue to use that and we're making great progress. We are making great progress. Well, well, it's good that you feel that way. That's so important, that progress you're talking about here. And Elena, do you have hope moving forward now? Last word with this, do you have hope with everything you've been through and seeing all the fights that are ahead? How do you feel? Um, I do. Honestly, I think I'm I'm grateful for, this might sound crazy, but the opportunity to bring the lawsuit forth because I think it opened a lot of people's eyes up and we've gained, like Andrew said, a lot of momentum in our district. We have a lot more work to do, but there is, they're in an army of parents that really are pushing forward for kind of truth and justice for the children and the education. Well, our mantra here, um, Elena, fits to exactly what you just said, liberty and justice for all. And it fits to what Andrew's been saying here as well. It's exactly the mantra of America Out Loud. Uh, it is liberty and justice for all. It's diversity of thought, diversity of opinion, uh, diversity of being real, but keeping it real as well and not letting the woke gods swallow us whole as a people. Uh, and destroy American history and all the things that are transpiring that we're fighting against here. Listen, I applaud both of you, both Andrew and Elaine, applaud both of you for your fight. And um, and I, I hope, and let me just say this to you both here. I, I really do. And I, uh, uh, Mark Loud, you can know that this, we will support your voice. And this, I hope you'll make this your home for getting this information out. I'll tell you what, in a, in a few weeks just ahead here, keep me posted. I'd very much enjoy having you both on and talk about that progress and continue to use this as a role model out of Rochester, Michigan, uh, as another role model of people pushing back on a system uh, and, and really making progress. So thank you both, uh, Elena and Andrew. Thank you for joining me here on The Voice of a Nation. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a privilege here, friends. That's about as real as you can keep it, uh, keeping the story real. And uh, and I applaud both of them for their efforts here. And um, it's a, these are the kinds of stories we need to get out. Uh, we need to wake people up to the truth. Uh, we need to we actually need to wake them up from being woke, uh, as strange as that sounds. Uh, but it is. Uh, it's become sort of a disease. 
um, this uh, extreme radical positions that nobody can make any sense of. Um, we have fallen far from the leave it to beaver days, let's put it that way. I can't imagine turning that show on and finding a transgender bathroom, but maybe somebody can let me know if you do. Uh, hey, thank you for joining me here on the mission. It's time to get involved and get loud, America.